Jesus. 
This nation has always been defined by a dream. A dream to achieve and live beyond the fold. Innovation, creativity, and freedom are hallmarks of this American dream. But this dream comes with a cost. And it's not preserved without self-sacrifice. men and women who serve our country are not just soldiers. They are defenders of freedom. They are protectors of our rights to pursue happiness. We use words like honor, courage, and bravery to describe our veterans. They have taken turns standing guard over the dream that makes America so special. The freedom to live, love, and worship God is possible because of our veterans. This is what makes America so special and what makes our veterans heroes. And I think everybody says, amen like to ask for just a moment if our veterans would stand today. We want to recognize you. We want to appreciate you. All veterans, please stand. All over. Amen. Many of the sacrifices that you have made for the freedoms we enjoy today. Thank you. Thank you. We welcome you in-house this morning. Thank you for your attendance. Those that have joined us, KTHS Radio, Facebook Live, thank you for making this a part of your service today. And those that are guests today, we especially welcome you. We welcome several Arkansas campers on missions. Let me see your hand. Wave big. Right back there. Give them a hand. They're working over at the Great Passion Play, and we appreciate you all coming to join us for service today. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving, receptacles online, in the mail. It is appreciated so much. Tonight at 6, men, if you're available, we'll be meeting in the youth room. Love to have you a part of that this evening. This morning, we're going to talk about overcoming the giant of Fear or slaying, if you please, the giant of fear. Fear is a very real thing. 
It involves many aspects in the living of life, and it's something that I think probably is not taken seriously enough sometimes. The pastor asked his wife recently, when was a time in your life that you were absolutely afraid? Without hesitation, she said, well, it's when the daughter it was in the room with her daughter who was giving birth to their grandchild. The daughter began hemorrhaging. The doctor passed out. They'd already called code blue, and another doctor came in with several nurses, and it looked like she'd flatlined. The doctor handling the delivery <laughs> had to be picked up off the floor. The hemorrhaging was so severe, it was taking the young lady's life. At one moment, she looked up, she called for her father, and he said, I realized I was holding the hand of my daughter who was dying. She stated that she had risen above her own body and was actually looking down in the room at everything happening. His answer to that was, you might say you aren't sure if you believe that or not. Well, he said, you'll never convince my daughter that it didn't happen because she experienced it. There was a panic in the room, no doubt. The pastor's wife was kind of having a little bit of a panic attack. Shortness of breath, pulse rate doubling or tripling, lightheaded, emotional overload. At that moment in those kind of experiences in life that one often wants to shout out a four-letter word, Mama, <laughs> I need your help. I need you now. Well, that kind of panic attack is really described in Daniel chapter 5, verse 6, where it says, Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him. And the joints of his loin were loosed, and his knees smote one against the other. That's kind of being pretty scared. More like you've heard the term scared spitless. That'd hardly be it. All of us, however, have had things happen to us in our life that overwhelmed us. Immobilized us even paralyzed us with fear. You may be thinking of some of those things now, and that's okay. Because we're going to work through some of that today. Because when fear overwhelms you, you don't just lie down and let it sweep over your body. What you must do is decide to overcome it. There was a man who was on an international flight taking off from Bangkok, Thailand. And the flight didn't leave until midnight, so when they took off, there was this horrendous electrical storm, thunder, lightning, shook the plane, shook the ground. <clears throat> he said that as they took off, they took off with this real steep incline, thunder and lightning all around. In the middle of all of that storm, all of a sudden, there was an alarm that came on that said, this is an emergency. Horn honking, things beeping, all this. And it said, this is not a test. Put your face in the pillow in your lap. It said the same thing in several languages. 
He said it didn't help when the speaker gave the message in Japanese because that created even a greater alarm. People were yelling and screaming, and suddenly, like that, it stopped. And a flight attendant came on and said, Oops, sorry, we pushed the wrong button. Hopefully, we didn't alarm anyone. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we began last week by discussing in Slaying Giants how to overcome adversity's power, how to overcome depression. We stand up and remember that God knows where we are. This week, we're going to talk about how to overcome fear, how to slay the giant of fear. Let me say this. So that we don't totally trash fear, there is some fear that sh should not be overcome. In other words, there is some good fear. <clears throat> it's actually called constructive fear. You know, you're driving out on a wet road, you hit a slick spot. <clears throat> Ever been there? Felt that? The uncertainty? And it made you slow down so that you wouldn't slide off of the road into the medium. That's a good kind of fear. Or you're taking an exam that you studied for, and this exam can move you forward to a better-paying job or maybe keep you where you are, and you want to do your best. That's constructive fear because it says you've got to study, and it motivates you that you want to do better. So fear is not always a bad thing. It was Jesus who said, as a matter of fact, to fear not. In Matthew chapter 10, 28, it says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. See, we know that some fear is legitimate, some fear is important. And when paraphrasing, Jesus said we ought to live with one eye on eternity was basically what he was saying. You know, we're to live every day with the awareness that life does not end at the grave and that we have no promise even of our next breath. We know without a shadow of a doubt there is a heaven and there is a hell. So no matter who you are, you're going to one or the other. We're either on our way to heaven today or we're going the other place. Now, we should fear and live circumspectively so that we're certain that we're going to heaven. We can live with that certainly. You know, occasionally people do think about mortality. We want to be certain that when we die, that we spend eternity with the Lord. Matter of fact, there's a bumper sticker. I think it's probably a pretty good one. I wish it'd come back around sometimes. It said, true success is winding up in heaven. True success, winding up in heaven. Failing at that is very frightful. So this thing called constructive fear keeps us alert helps us deal with the realities of life, 
and eternity. Then there's what's called destructive fear. Now this is the fear that nips at your emotions, at your mindset, does everything possibly that it can to paralyze you. Thereby keeping you from being happy and joyful. And it even goes so far as to almost make life impossible to live with any kind of satisfaction or enjoyment. And if it's not overcome, if it's not destroyed, if it's not slayed, it can wreck your life. That's why Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Hallelujah. See, God wants you to conquer these dehibilitating, paralyzing worries that plague your life. Those things that keep us from being our best. So here's the question. What are you afraid of? Now immediately you think of something probably that every time you begin to walk around it, it, it kind of stares at you and you want to kind of short back a little bit in fear. Well, I want us to know that we can conquer those fears. There's some Christian teachers and pastors and who say that if you have fear, you just need to come up and be prayed for and your fear will be gone. I'll tell you, I believe that can happen. I believe that does happen. I believe we should never shy away from that kind of deliverance. I will also tell you that I found out most of the time that it's a joint effort between you and God to put that fear behind you. A joint effort. That is, we play our part, and God will certainly do His. And He will always come through. So I want us to understand a couple of things today. Number one, it's important to understand the origin of our fears. Dr. Joseph Walby, a South African psychiatrist, spent almost his entire life working with people trying to discover how to help people deal with their fears. He said that usually something in their past has so traumatized them, so brought fear into their life, that they refuse to let themselves engage in that activity ever again. And he used an example. Maybe when you're eight or nine years old, swimming in a pool, and the older boys took you and held you under to the point that you thought you were never going to breathe again. Finally, just in time, they let you go, get you up, and you come out of the water gasping for breath and trying to get air to your lungs. This day was the day you got out of the pool, you walked away, and you said, never again. No more bodies of water for me. 
No more swimming, no more getting in the pool, lake, or ocean. I'm done. Or maybe it was the fourth or fifth grade. You had to give a book report before the entire class. You stuttered a little bit because you were scared. You got almost to the end, and someone in the room laughed or made some kind of negative remark. And from that day forward, you said you weren't a public speaker. You would never get involved in public speaking again. There's one Christian leader. He writes books. He does radio and television. He speaks in front of thousands of people, but he will only travel to those speaking engagements by car or train. Why? Because years ago, he was in a small prop plane, and they ran into an electrical storm, causing lightning to flash and shake the plane, and he committed himself to God and said, if you ever get me out of this ground, if you ever get me on the ground, I will never fly again. And guess what? No more planes for him because of the fear. I've been there. I've thought that. Not a real great fan of flying, but thankfully I didn't go that far. Because I'll never forget coming out of Denver, Colorado. Plane going up. And then all of a sudden it just whoosh. I was never so glad for a bump in all my life. It had hit one of those air pocket deals. And it was, and I thought at that time, I don't want to fly anymore. And I wasn't real anxious to get on the flight to come home. Now, thankfully, I've kind of got over that. I still haven't forgot it. Kind of tend once in a while to believe my, like my uncle believes. He says he doesn't think it's really very scriptural to fly because the Bible says, Lo, I'm with you always. <laughs> but they're determined they're going to get him to fly back and see me yet. We'll see. Why should we live with circumstances like that dictating our lives after one negative experience? Some people feel sadly that way about the church even. You know, they went to church. They had a negative experience. Someone was rude to them. Someone made a rude comment about how they were dressed. And they decided they'd never go to church again. That's the wrong decision. You see, if you avoid facing fear, what happens is, is it just tends to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Experts in the field of fear management agreed that the power of fear often begins to diminish when we take time to understand the origin of that fear. That's something we have to take time to discover. Was it the swimming pool where the bigger guy held you under? Was it the beginning of your dislike of a body of water? What was it? 
Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There is victory. In other words, bring order and discipline to your mind from the thoughts that bring you fear, and there is a path to victory over them. Secondly, it's imperative that we expose the lies about our fears. Peter gives us a challenge that says, guard your mind. Guard your mind. The word guard kind of has a military tone to it. It means that we should fight for freedom, freedom from the deceptive lives of the enemy and those things that create fear in our life. In John 8, Jesus referred to the evil one as a liar and the father of all lies. You see, he desired to expose the strategy for defeat and destruction, taking away one's peace of heart. Sometimes it works this way, you know. It's amazing what fear can do to you. It's amazing what fear can tell you. And it's amazing what we often believe of what fear is telling us, you know. Take yourself to a place with a serious relationship with someone, and they tell you, I'll call you tonight. It gets 10, 30, 11, 11, 30, and you haven't heard. What do you think? Well, they must have got caught up at work. Possibly they're helping a friend. Maybe they called and I was out running errands. I was gone or something. They'll follow up in the morning. It's one way. But notice how destructive fear works. Destructive fear starts spinning out nightmares. Something like, it's 1130, I haven't heard from that special person. They're probably dead. They've had a horrible car wreck, and they don't, nobody has my number to call me and tell me. They're probably hurt badly, and I, I need to be there. Another track would be, well, they haven't called. They must have dumped you. They're out with somebody else, whispering sweet words in their ear now. See, this, this is the kind of stuff country songs are often about. <laughs> Am I not right? It's manufacturing the worst-case scenario. The Bible says the person behind this is the deceiver, the father of lies. He tries to bring destruction to the hearts of individuals. Or maybe, just maybe a person <clears throat> comes to the point they make a decision, it's time to turn my life around, it's time for me to call on Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, then fear and de the deceptive lives of the enemy begin to take place. He says, you're going to lose friendships and you're never going to have any fun anymore if you accept Jesus. You're never going to be able to do what you want to do in the flesh if you accept Jesus. So, accept that lie, push God away, silence the whispers, decide to stay just like you are. We know that's a lie, don't we? Well, we have to understand fear thrives on deceit.
You know, I've had a lot more fun since I started living for Jesus than I ever did before. And I don't have near as many headaches. <laughs> Easier to wake up. We just need to learn to speak the truth to our heart. Psalm 15, 2 says that we must learn to speak the truth in our hearts, in relationships, in our minds, and ourselves. Why? It's a good question. Because the power of truth defeats the power of deceit. Truth will prevail, which is why it's so critical to know and say truthful things to yourself. You say to this fear that maybe has gripped you so long, or this thing that is a huge barrier in your life, you speak to it. Speak to it like this. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke these emotions, these feelings, and these lies. Say it. Find your, find, you'll find yourself saying again and again, stop it. I rebuke you. I rebuke you. Those things come in and try to take over. You just say, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Oh, Pastor, are you really sure it works? Yep. Done it for years. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You see, we don't let the devil manufacture worst-case scenarios in our life that this or that's going to happen and there's just no way around it. That's a lie from the pit of hell, and I'm tired of them. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. You mean you rebuke yourself? Yeah, I'll do a better job than most. Yeah. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He's a proven friend in times of trouble. He's there to walk with us. He's saying to many of us possibly this morning that, that it's time to stop suffering from the deceit of fear. You've paid enough. Take the courage to begin new dreams and have new visions of things that you thought you'd never be able to do. There's some possibly here or that's listening today or watching today that you've been considering Jesus. The Bible says the only way that you can come to Jesus is if the Spirit draws you and His Spirit is drawing you. And as his spirit speaks to you now, don't let the enemy lie and deceive you through the power of fear. Just open the doors to your heart and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I found the easiest thing in the world to do is get saved. It's been a whole lot of work to stay saved. But it's easy to get saved. Lord, come into my life. I'm going to face my fear. I'm going to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Now I want to live for you. Psalm 34, 4. When I sought the Lord, he answered me and delivered me from my fears. Do we believe the word? Absolutely. Well, when I seek the Lord, He's going to answer me, and He's going to deliver me from my fears. That tells me there's deliverance for me. Joshua 1.9, do not tremble or be dismayed 
For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, we can believe in God, and we can have liberty and freedom in our life now. You know, a lot of times I'm afraid people try to live life thinking of, well, when I get to this age or when I get to start doing this or that or the other, then, then I'm going to be, I'm going to find what I need. Why not experience it now? Why not let it be now? 2 Timothy 1.7 again. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. As the worship team comes back, may the Lord help us as we overcome and slay this giant of destructive fear. The things that try to rob us of victorious living. There's so many things today that we've allowed ourselves to become fearful of that has restricted us. Let's determine today to do away with that. If you have been thinking about trying to decide if it's your time or not, now's the time to receive Jesus as your Savior. I'd love to pray with you concerning that today. And as they sing, if you would come up, we will find ourselves talking to the Lord about those things. And maybe this could be your day for a special time of deliverance from fear. If this is that time and there is that that is available and it happens instantaneously today, we're going to rejoice with you because God is here to help us slay the giant of fear in our lives.
I felt like that I should have come back and said what you left here today in depression leave it here don't take it back now God redeemed that mistake because early in the morning on Monday morning somebody knocking on my window and I got to give that conversation and to apologize, I'm sorry I didn't tell you that. That was one of the first things that the enemy always tries to do is whatever victory you get, he's going to try to steal it. And I, I'm so sorry. If I failed you last week by not telling you about that, please forgive me. And the same goes for today. Fears. The enemy is a liar, and he... He wants to steal whatever victory we get. And I found out after all these years, I still need many victories. I still have to deal with that guy that looks back at me in the mirror. And he's always my biggest problem. So please forgive me for the failure to tell you, don't pick it back up. Leave it with Jesus. Well, Pastor, it still looks very real. Yeah, it'll look very real. It'll be very real. But I believe when we find victory in Jesus that we've gained another rung on the ladder and we'll go up from there. And if we ever do step back, we're going to get back up there because our victory is in Jesus. Do not let fear rule your life. Our victory is in Jesus. You freed the captives then, your freeing hearts right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You 
That's all right. Thank you so much for coming this morning. If you're here for the first time, Pastor Keith is in the foyer behind you, that front foyer, and he'd love to meet with you. To the rest, don't forget tonight, the uh, men's group, 6 o'clock in the fellowship hall, and then Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a great day.